Good afternoon, my name is Taina Evans and here at Boys and Girls High School with Mr. Ray Haskins and uh, I want to ask you Mr. Haskins, do you have a Brooklyn story to tell? I have quite a few that you might find interesting. Uh, we were talking earlier about you going to Street Academy and I, I remember when the first Street Academy came about, it was in the late 60s, early 70s, and they were storefronts. It was a storefront right on the, fr on the corner of Beffitt and Madison, and it was run by a boys' high graduate by the name of Eddie Simmons, who was a legendary basketball player at Boys High School and at um, Virginia Union University. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and what they did, they went out and captured students who needed uh, a different educational environment to succeed in. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they, they, they hit the payments, they went into the projects, they went to the communities to find students to help them resurrect their lives. I myself, I, was, I, I happened to teach at an alternative school one of the first alternative schools when, when they went to that, that term alternative was high school redirection. Mm -hmm. You know, it, high school redirection started in Williamsburg and then moved to Brownsville on Hopkinson and uh, Blake. And it was an excellent school, and I, I, I like the philosophy and how they uh, brought kids back in a very positive manner because uh, they did a thing called a point system. A hundred points was equal to one credit. So often students go to school and they may get a 40 or maybe get a 55. And that's a failure. But they took those 40s. Now you have, four, now you have to earn 60 more points to get that one credit. So it, was, it put you on an accelerated pace. It made you feel good about yourself. And we had a whole litany of uh, students who was successful. One in particular, particular uh, young lady by the name of Keisha Gill, who uh, is a professor at the University of Maryland now, and she has a PhD. And she came to high school redirection because she had problems in uh, just dealing and making adjustments to uh, a regular school environment. So. She needed a more nurturing environment, a more personal environment, and that's what these small settings do. Mm -hmm. So how did you, um, so you taught at the Brownsville version of? Um, high school redirection. High school redirection, and then what led you to Boys and Girls High School? Um, uh, well, I was here first. Oh. And, uh, I took a leave of absence and went down to Raleigh, North Carolina, and coached uh, men's basketball at Shore University for a year. And when I came back, uh, Frank Mickens was the principal here, and he didn't want me to, to work in the school, so I went to high school redirection. Now, um, early in my early years, I grew up on Madison Street. That's uh, between Troop and Sumner, Sumner Avenue, now Marcus Garvey Boulevard. Um, my mother was the first black person to move on that block. She moved on that block when uh, she lived right across the street was a big horse stable back in, in those days. She moved there in 1926. 
So uh, back in those days, uh, everybody had the horse cart and everything to do good in the merchants, went through the neighborhood, collect rags, uh, delivered coal, uh, ice, all those kind of things. They had the horse-drawn wagons. So when they tore that down, they made a PS44 and Raymond Bush Park that was built. Now, my mother, she came here when she was 15 years old, and they didn't want to rent her the apartment. So she sent for her mother to come up to New York because her mother could pass for white. And that's how she got the apartment at the age of 16. And she she lived there until uh, till her death. When she was 95 when she passed in 2004. And... She raised five children in the house as a single parent. Mm-hmm. Because I lived across the street from the park and the school, I was uh, privy to a lot of the things that they provided. Back in those days, which I think some things are good when you change, some things are bad. I thought those were bad change because you had a personal touch. Each park had a park man, a local park man who worked there year-round and steered, guided, and advised uh, young people in the community, old people in the community. Uh, they were very helpful. And uh, after the years go by, then they just they took those people out. And another thing in the communities we had, which we sorely missed, every school was open at night. So they had recreational programs. They had... Uh, Board of Ed teachers that worked in those schools, so now you don't ha- you wouldn't have the problem of kids going from one community to another community to another community because they know in their own community they had their own enclave where you know they learn things. You know? I learned how to tie a tie in that recreation center. I learned how to to play games, how to play sports. Uh, I learned how to play cards. I learned how to dance. I learned all those social connected skills that did me well when I went away to college. Because when I went away to college, I found a lot of people who came from different parts of the country who didn't have those kind of things provided in their communities. Well, they got that freedom where they were away from their parents and they let that overcome them, overtake them, and they would cut classes. They would stay out all. They stayed up all night playing in student union, you know, all those kind of things. Well, I did all those things. I, I I knew how to play ping pong. I knew how to play pool. I knew how to play cards. I knew how to dance. So that thing that was plaisé for me. So I just went on and did what I had to do. You know, as a student, I went to Shore University. Shore University is the second oldest historically uh, HBCU in the nation after Lincoln University. Uh, the picture Glory, which Denzel won his first uh, Academy Award as supporting actor, well, that picture was based on the life of Colonel Shaw. So, and that's where the name came, Shaw University. Uh, I never took public transportation to school. I lived across the street from PS44. I lived down the block from junior high school, 35. I lived up the block from boys' high school, so I always walked. My brother and I, my brother was a year older than me, so we made a decision 
of not going to the same school because uh, we were we were poor in some things, but rich in others. You know, the quality of life was so much better. Our family life was so much better. A lot of things we were missing. We didn't know we missed. But he went to Franklin K. Lane, and I went to Boys High so we could share clothes. So I could wear a sweater in my school and nobody know. And he could wear the same sweater in his school. So, you know, that helped tremendously. So, um... I lived across the street from 44 Park, and in the park was a lot of activities, a lot of basketball. You used to have the older guys who influenced the neighborhood, and I used to always go out, go and watch them play. And I inquired about, I said, "Who are these guys?" And he said, "Oh, those guys are teachers." So some of the teachers was Al Van, uh, Milton Fears, uh, Sparky Smith, Howie Jones. Those guys would come in the park and play. Little did I know that Sterling Johnson and Al Walden, who became lawyers and judges, were among those guys playing. Because in the back of my mind, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to go in law. But it was said that these guys are teachers, and they were very successful. They're very positive role models, so I chose to be like them. But had I known that Sterling wasn't a teacher, and he was uh, he he was a lawyer, and and Alton Walton wasn't a teacher; he was a lawyer, and per- perhaps I would have went into law. But uh, those guys had a tremendous influence. Later on, when I went to uh, junior high school, thirty five, and Al Van was my teacher. He was my English teacher, and uh, he played played a major major role in me wanting to further my education and to be someone like him because he was always a very, very positive brother. Had a lot of positive things to say and he was analytical. He always thought things out. He never just jumped to a conclusion. He always thought things out and and I could, he, he was so analytical, I could almost sit there and see him think. So that was a good trait. Uh, uh, as a teacher, I uh, started teaching in 1974 at junior high school, 57. Uh, my first job was given to me by a principal by, by the name of uh, Mr. Roach. Sheldon Roach was his name. And I remember going to an interview for him. And when I came in the interview, he said, said to me, do you remember me? I said, yeah, I remember you. You, you were my Spanish teacher. I said, do you remember the conversation that we had one day uh, when I kept you after school? I said, no, because I really didn't. He said, well, let me remind you. I told you that you would have nev- never amount to anything because you didn't do your homework. And then he said, from that day on, you responded to that challenge that I put forth to you. And you never missed another homework. And he was the first guy. He remembered that. And he gave me my first teaching job at junior high school, 57. So I went from there. And when I came, when I came into the Board of Ed, it was, it was a trying time because they had budget problems. They had layoffs. And 
I must have worked in 19 schools. You'd be at a school um, for a half a year, and a teacher would come back with more seniority who took a leave of absence. So, you know, it was all over the place. And then in 1976, I started coaching basketball. I started coaching at uh, Alexander Hamilton High School. We were, we were very, very successful. Uh, uh, I won 179 games and, and lost 32, which was really, really good in my time there. Had a lot of players to go on to receive scholarships, and some of them went into the NBA ranks. So uh, I was very fortunate because those relationships that I've developed with those students, I still have now. And uh, I went through um, went through the educational system. He was a successful coach, and a guy, a Boys High graduate by the name of Zeke Clemens, was a principal out in Park Slope, and uh, he sent word out that he wanted to speak to me. I didn't know what he wanted to speak to me about, but so I made my way over to his office, and he sat me down, and he asked me several questions, and he asked me, he says, uh, do you want to be a principal? I said, no, I don't want to be a principal. He, he, he says, why not? I said, because I just don't have He said, well, whether you realize it or not, the things that you're doing as a basketball coach, how you organize, how you set up, is the same things you do as a principal and how you set school up. And he taught me a valuable thing. He told me a valuable thing. He says, listen, you have to, in order to get the pay raises that you want, you have to take classes anyway. Take those classes and use those. You, know how, you may not ever become an administrator. But at least you you have the license. That's like if I want to give you a car right now and you don't have a driver's license, then I can't give you the car. See, so you never know. So lo and behold, uh, when I left high school redirection and I went to uh, automotive high school, the principal looked in my folder and he said to me, he says, uh, Ms. Haskins, I hope you didn't come here for an administrative job. I said, no, I just came here to teach. So if you have a teaching position, then that's all I want to do. He said, fine. By the end of that year, he saw how I worked with students, staff, and parents. And he asked me to be his AP, phys ed, and security for the building. So I went from there to... Uh, I'm a principal at Maggie Walker Middle School, school right across the street from the Albany Projects where we had 1,600 students. Um, very, very diverse population. We had, we had a, a lot of latchkey children in the school because it was a Caribbean neighborhood and a lot of the Caribbeans who came into the country were undocumented and they had to take jobs as sleep ins and all that. So, so basically... A lot of times their children had to fend for themselves. So one of the things I did with the school, I made sure that the doors was open at five minutes to seven every day. And lo and behold, I have 50, 60 students out there just waiting to get into the school. And that was the most rewarding experience of my life. A lot of people think I became a Division One basketball coach at Long Island University and I had a very successful record there.
took the team to the NCAA tournament, to the NIT, uh, had several kids on the team that became professional players, and everybody felt that that would be my defining one. But the most rewarding job, the most rewarding thing I ever did was be the principal at Maggie Walker Middle School 390 because that position was so meaningful to the students, to the kids in the community. That was so joyous. It was uh, such a positive experience. So I come in here now and uh, uh, mentor teachers, administrators, wherever the need is right now. I'm coaching the junior varsity basketball team until we find a coach who's adequate and could, could fit our profile of what a good coach is. Now, uh, basically I know a little bit about the history of, of athletes who came from boys and girls high school who were really, really great athletes here, like uh, Sally Walker, who was the first black <coughs> player to play at St. John's, and he he went on to, uh, he was the first black to play at the university, against the University of Kentucky at Kentucky, and he later came back to the city and became an educator and a principal. Uh, Sayugo Green, who came to Boys and Girls High School, was a great player, went to Duquesne University, and then went on into the NBA, Cincinnati Royals, played in the ABA. Of course, we had Connie Hawkins, and then we had um, Tommy Davis, who was a baseball player, played with the Brooklyn Dodgers. He received a scholarship offer to go to Providence University. And uh, one of the things he did was ask him, could he bring along a friend who didn't receive a scholarship, didn't play that much here at Boys and Girls High School, and who went on to be the all-time winningest basketball coach one of the top 50 players in the, in, in the NBA history is Lenny Wilkins. And it's just so many, so many successful stories. And the thing about boys high school, boys and girls high school, is this is a, a, a national school. It's a historical school. And it's known, this name is known, the reputation is all over the country. A lot of schools are just known in the area they are. But anytime you mention boys high, girls high, it has national connotations. What do you think led to that? Was it the team? Was it the, the team and the reputation and the excellence that the uh, the sports programs had exhibited? We had great sports programs. We had great arts programs. You know, where uh, Lil Anthony and the Imperials came from boys high. Mandrill, world famous uh, recording group, uh, uh, came from from Boys and Girls High School. Uh, we had a whole litany: Ronnie Dyson, who was a, a recording artist and uh, a Broadway actor. He came from um, Boys and Girls High School, so we have a whole whole history. We did extremely well as high school teams, track and field, at. Um, Pen relays, so pen relays. People come from all over the countries, all over the world, really, to compete, and our names stood as tall as anyone. 
So what we're trying to do is we're trying to keep that because uh, what we say, Boys and Girls High School, is the heart and soul of this community, you know. And uh, one of the things the prior principal said, uh, uh, Dr. Bernard Gasway, he would always say, how do you close the community? You know, and this this school is supposed to be a community. Community is supposed to have access to the school, and I would like to see a, more of a partnership actually happen with the community and with schools. A lot of times, oftentimes, they say we want the community to come in, but then they have so many obstacles for the community can't come in and, and really partake. But. Programs like you're doing, making this uh, 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 audio history of uh, best eyes, uh, uh, that's tremendous. I guess that's my story. It's on, based on the work that you're doing. That's tremendous. Uh, I have uh, six daughters. Uh, three, of them are, three of them are teachers in the New York City school system. One is a speech teacher, two are guidance counselors. And I have one daughter that's an adjunct professor at Georgetown University. Another daughter that's a social worker. And my youngest daughter is currently a, a student in a Cooney school system. So, we've been blessed. You all still live here? Still live in the community? I still live. I live right across the street. You know, uh, I'm still active. I'm, I'm I'm a member of the world's greatest fraternity, Omega Psi Five Fraternity Incorporated. So, and uh, I serve on a couple of committees. One of the committees I serve on is the fundraising for food pantries, where each year uh, we gather anywhere from ten to twenty thousand dollars and divide it among grants that we give to. Uh, ten, ten food pantries, two in each borough. So, I'm pretty happy with that. Still involved with, with sports and helping kids go to school, be placed in school. Do you love uh, just being so close to the school that you work in? Oh yeah. Because uh, growing up, you were just walking distance between mm -hmm. the schools, and I guess it didn't really... It, it has, I mean, great advantages. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm right here. I, I see what's happening. Uh, try to talk to as many students as possible. The environment here is, is a little bit different because now we have four schools. And well, three schools and one program in this building. So I, I like to see them be uh, a little more coordinated and work together because, you know, the function here is education, so everybody should be about educating. And you witnessed a lot of changes. Were you here when um, Nelson Mandela went to the Yeah, school? I was here when no, this was the first stop that Nelson Mandela made. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the field is named after him now. So How that, was that, that was, like? Oh, that was tremendous, man. This place was... We, we used to have out in the field before we, they put the synthetic thing down when it was just regular grass. We used to have the African Street Festival, also, which was tremendous. I mean, people came from all over the world. I mean, everybody came through here to that African Street Festival. But once they put down a new field, they could no longer, you know, provide that service because 
it would just be a matter of time before they put down a million dollar field and they, they just tear it up. But, so. You think those events led to like greater community involvement? It enhanced the community, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you yeah. took it away, kind of. Yeah, it took it took a lot away from the African Street Festival, and then the same time they had the African Street Festival here, right outside Fulton, the uh, New York Arts Artists Association, they they put their art display on for two, for about a week or two, and people come and purchase uh, art uh, pieces from all over the world. It's just tremendous. They used to have busloads of people just come in. Is there, um, you said a lot, but is there anything that you want to leave for lasting generations um, to either remember this school by, or this community by, or remember you by? Well, I just want this school to be here and function as a beacon and a positive place to come and a place to nurture and help students grow into responsible adults. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you.